Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. So I was raised in Ballarat. I'll give you just a super brief summary before we get into uh, the word. I got married 2009. We both completed our studies. I was studying at Harvest Bible College in Melbourne. My wife was studying to be a nurse. Uh, And then in 2015, I got my degree from Bible College. And the graduation was like January or February or something. And then in April, we just went straight into missions. And we moved to Perth joined YWAM, Youth with a Mission, in 2015. Uh, Did our training there. Then you do like these short-term outreaches. And we knew that God had called us into missions, but we didn't know exactly where. And we were just like, we'll just go, yeah, you just tell us, Lord, wherever you want us to go, and we will go. And so this, the Middle East kept coming up. And I did this trip when I was at Bible College. They took us to the Middle East. It was fantastic. All on the hex bill. Um, but we went to Egypt, Israel, Jordan, looked at all the biblical, it was like an archaeological tour, which didn't excite me too much, the archaeology, but I got to go on this trip, so I signed up, and I just fell in love with the Middle East, even the conflict being there, and, and understanding a little bit about Israel, and the history, and the Palestinian people, and just the struggles that both people face there. I just fell in love with this Middle East charm, I call it. And so we came back to Perth, we did a bit more training, and then we moved there in 2017. So we'd been there for a couple of years, um, came back to visit, and long story short, we got stuck with COVID. Not, I didn't get COVID, the you know, situation of COVID meant that we were stuck, that's what I was trying to say. Um, so yeah, while we were there, uh, you know, God just does amazing things wherever you are. Um, and I'm sure everyone has their own testimonies of what God has done in their life and with the people around you. But we just had an incredible time. I mean, it was super hard at times. And then we saw God doing amazing things in other times. So I'll maybe get to a bit of what God's doing exactly in the Middle East in a moment. Uh, but even being stuck, we thought, this is horrible. We're supposed to be in the Middle East. We left our house like we were just coming back for a few months. And a friend of ours, he took some pictures of our apartment and we still had the clothes horse out with all the clothes on it. And it's just got like this much dust over all the stuff um, because we were just planning to come and go back. So uh, God's done a lot since we've been back in Australia and we're ready to get back uh, to the Middle East. We're super excited about what God is doing uh, and... Yeah, there's some incredible opportunities. So we have like some prayer cards up the back if anyone's interested uh, in praying for us. We have like support cards as well if anyone's interested in supporting us on a monthly basis as well. We raise our own support and we've got like 16 squares on this target left uh, that we send out in our newsletter, which you can sign up for as well. Um, And so we're on the home straight and getting towards our budget to get us back and we're planning to go back uh, mid to late January, pending the latest, I don't know what they've coined, the latest Omnicon, Comic-Con, the new strain of COVID that's looking like it's restricting movement a little bit. So really pray that that uh, fizzles down and that you know international travel is still open again. So um, if we can jump, sorry, 
Yeah, so just a brief snapshot of our life. Um, this is our friend Naka. She's lovely. Um, we went to pray. You can't see from here, but the border to Gaza is kind of just at the end of that plain. And while we were there, there was, it was shortly after we got there, there was really a lot going on in Gaza. So we go down. We love to pray at places. So we go to the Syrian border and we're looking at Lebanon and Syria and we just pray and declare the word of God and peace over those places. Um, my daughter's kindergarten, she went to kinder for two years, all in Arabic, super amazing, intelligent little girl. So she goes to kinder and then a bit of a snapshot, that's in Amman, Jordan. Um, so we... We love this part of the world. It's amazing. Next slide, thanks, brother. Okay. So I wanted to start briefly, and I feel bad doing this because the church is so lovely. I'm going to start with the bad news that's going to lead us into the encouraging, incredible good news. But in order to know the good news, we need to start with the bad news. So I'm going to start with a bit of bad news. So you may know... Uh, there are churches in certain countries that are exploding and then there are churches in other countries that are not quite so exploding and so we're seeing a few trends around the world that's really uh, much different to anything else we've had in history. So in the West, what we call the Western countries, uh, if we look at the USA for example, we see like the, the Elevation Church, the Joel Osteen's, I can't remember his... We see these mega churches and it, you may think that the church is, is growing exponentially in the USA, but if we look at it statistically, it's on the decline. decline. <laughs> so there's about 350,000 churches in the USA and less than 1% of those is actually growing by conversion growth. So of course, when you grow and you, like we're doing our bit, we have six kids... The church, and they grew up in church, the church will grow like that. But conversion growth, but new people coming into the church, only less than 1% in the USA. So 9 out of 10 churches are declining. And that's my average diagram. 9 churches declining. Uh, or they're growing at a pace slower than the community is, is growing in population as well. So the church in the West, it's not in the best shape. That's okay. Uh, because... When we understand what's going on, then we can look at how we might be able to change or we might get a new heart for the lost and then we can go out and start changing these statistics. But the, the honest, realistic statistic is the church in the West is not in the best shape. However, uh, if we look at the church in other parts of the world, and this is what is really exciting, I think, uh, other parts, so non-Western churches, <laughs> uh, is uh, growing at exponential rates, which is really exciting. And even amongst these high levels of persecution, if we look at, and you would know probably a lot of the countries um, like India, Iran, China, North Korea, Afghanistan, Iraq, Kurdistan, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and many other countries in uh, the African continent and South America, these churches are exponentially growing. And there's this persecution that is happening to the church and to the believers many of them live in a secret kind of life many of them are in house churches they don't have these buildings that they can go to but the church is exploding in these parts of the world and this is really really exciting 
and we have a, a friend. Uh, yep, thanks, mate. Uh, we have a friend, Muhammad, in uh, the Middle East where we live. And we would meet together just to disciple, sharpen each other. And he had become a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus. And so we used to meet in, like we'd meet in a shisha bar, if you know a shisha bar. So we'd have burger, shisha, and we'd be getting the phone, getting the Bible verse on the phone and just sliding it to each other and reading it. And... He was a little bit nervous because he wasn't supposed to be meeting with foreigners because his parents knew that he'd been to a church once and they really uh, got quite hostile towards him. So he was forbidden from seeing any foreigners. So we'd meet in this shisha bar in town and then someone, the waiter came up to him and said, oh, aren't you such and such's brother? And he said, yeah, I am, but just please don't tell him, okay? I'm sitting with this Ajnabi, this foreigner, and uh, my dad will be mad, so don't... Uh, say anything so the next time we met in another place because we didn't want to go back there so we're sitting eating uh sliding bible verses to each other having this awesome time and then someone came sat next to him his next door neighbor this older guy so i'm trying to talk a little bit of arabic but not enough that he knows the accent because you know you get two sentences in as a non-native speaker and you're like you're not from here (laughs) You're talking, and I know what you're saying, but your accent is horrible. So I'm trying to just say a couple of things. But So he's, he's busted a second time. And he's someone who we saw go through these hor- horrible circumstances with his family because he became a follower of Jesus. He's from a Muslim family. Um, we're discipling him. He's so in love with, with God. Um, it's just inspiring. And then we see his parents in this modern kind of town how they treated him was was bad but then we have people in other parts of the country where the consequences for becoming a christian would be much much worse but in this and this is what really encouraged me in this type of persecution uh, he still loves jesus so much and he still wants to lay down his life for jesus and it got me really encouraged and really challenged at the same time because that's the consequences of becoming a believer. Your life is threatened. Your family life as you know it can be finished. And you have to walk this out all alone. And so here's just one of, I mean, probably millions of stories of people that have had to count the cost in other parts of the world and say yes to Jesus and then walk that out knowing that the consequences could be so bad for them but still they say yes, and I'm so encouraged by that. And I think an encouraging thing for us is, amen, is that we get to look to these people and see how they're living their life, and this can really encourage our lives. Because I thought, I didn't even have any cost, really, when I came to the Lord. I was 25, my parents were not Christians, but they just, oh, Scott, this is the next thing that Scott's going on to. Hope it makes his life better. But there was no persecution there was nothing like that there was no cost to my life until later down the track and we continue to count the cost as we serve the lord here and or wherever we are Uh, but seeing someone who has to count this incredible cost uh, is really inspiring and we're going to look to these people in the future i think um, when we want to know how do we live our lives how do we live as christians in australia as our nation is even changing a little bit we're probably not going to want the 
people that have encouraged us in the past, like the John Bevere's or the Bill Johnson's or the, you know, the big people from the US that have so encouraged our lives at different times, I think now we're going to be getting some unknown person that no one has ever heard of who is living in, a, in an underground state in China or in Iran or somewhere like that and who is just loving the Lord, seeing multiplicating churches taking place all underground. And no one knows his name and he's not famous, but he's going to be the one I think we're going to look to and say, teach us how to live a life on fire for Jesus in the face of persecution. So the good news, although one part of the world is not in the best state, uh, not in the best shape, God is moving. He's moving in other parts of the world. I mean, he's moving everywhere, you know what I'm saying. But in the far as gospel advancement, gospel multiplication, new followers of Jesus, he's moving in incredible ways. And so we want to just uh, keep our eye out for what God is doing in these unknown parts of the world. Okay. So, and that's what Jesus said, Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations. Paul said the same thing, uh, Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 2, he said, entrust the teachings to faithful men who will teach others. He's talking about discipleship making. When you get this gospel that has so transformed your life, you give that to other people, you teach that to other people, what Jesus has done, his commandments, and that they would also go and teach other people as well. And I found out the hard way uh, that you don't need a theological degree or a seminary degree. Of course, we know the riches of uh, understanding the word in greater depth and those sorts of things. But you can just receive Jesus, have an encounter with him, and then go and tell someone else. And they can receive Jesus, have an encounter with him, and so on. And this is the multiplicative movements that are happening in other parts of the world that I think are so incredible and it's simple it's uh, Holy Spirit centered and it's really incredible so this quote by unknown person uh, you, you don't always get disciples when you plant churches but if you make disciple making disciples you will always get the church as Jesus intended it I think that's an awesome quote So with a bit of background set, um, I want to transition into talking about treasuring the Great Commission in the days ahead. Because as we understand what's going on in the church around the world, I guess the next thing for me is what do we do? And so we know the days ahead are going to be challenging, uh, but treasuring the Great Commission, this thing that we have uh, in, we've received Jesus, we've received his love, and now what are we going to do with it? We're going to take it to people who haven't heard of Jesus or haven't had an encounter with Jesus before. So in Romans 10, Paul's talking about being righteous by following the laws from Moses and that you can't really do that, um, but that the word of faith is near you and in your mouth. And this is Romans 10:8. And then he explains in the next verse, thanks. Uh, he says, that is the word of faith which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there's no distinction between Jew or Greek, 
For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that, if I have it, oh, it's all in capitals, my bad. It's, if it, it's in capitals, and so it's referring to an Old Testament passage. And this whoever will call, it's from Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And if you know in Joel chapter 2, uh, it's talking about a time just before the day of the Lord. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, you could say in these final hours or in these final season, uh, he will be saved. And Peter, he says the same thing in Acts chapter 2, which I'm so in love with because I feel like we've all been Peters or I've definitely been a Peter in that I've been with Jesus, I've tasted the goodness of him and yet I've still failed at a time where I should have spoken up or I should have preached him or I should have shared in boldness, I should have laid hands and prayed on someone, I should have called someone and then they passed away. I've missed opportunities to love people. And this is the essence of Peter in uh, the Gospels before we get to Acts chapter 2. And then Acts chapter 2, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not faced with a few people now that he has to preach to or defend Jesus or defend himself against. He's faced with thousands of men who some of them were mocking him in the front, you know, saying these people drunk or whatever. And then he preaches this bold, pretty convicting message that wouldn't be very politically correct how he worded it he pretty much was saying you it was you who crucified jesus but you can turn and you can repent and so peter uses the same uh, verse in joel the same story from joel chapter 2 as well whoever will call on the name of the lord will be saved so we have uh the next slide thanks great so we have the the what i'm trying to dissect this a little bit we have the what the what is the gospel message of Jesus, the precious message that we carry that has transformed all of our lives. And I often think back to my own life. Once upon a time, if you had come past me in Melbourne or something like that, you probably wouldn't recognize me, first of all, and I was a completely different person. And no one would think that I would have amounted to anything. My family thought at best I would be in prison or something like that, and at worst I would probably die um, because of the life I was living, I was big into drugs and drinking and stuff like that. And I had a, I mean, I was functional. I went to work. I did my, you know, what I needed to do. I could talk to people sometimes um, if I wasn't having like anxiety, depressive attack. Um, but I was so far gone that no one would have ever thought, Scott Parker, no way. And now I'm back in my hometown and I'm seeing people who saw me grow up. I even saw the local policeman a while ago. And we had a couple of little run-ins. And he thought, like, he's okay. Like, we're okay kids. We're just mischief and stuff like that. But then I went really, you know, once I finished school and stuff like that, I just went down a very depressive, drug-addicted layers um, before God really got a hold of my life. But no one would have thought that I would have amounted to anything. And this is so the power of the gospel and this is how, when we look out at people in the world and you see people like we have that are, you know, maybe they're passed out on the ground just on the street in Melbourne, or we see it in lots of countries as well. In Egypt, me and my kids walking past the person on the ground and he's completely passed out, intoxicated on something. We didn't know what. And people were literally didn't know where to go and they would just walk around him like this. Some person even just stepped over him. 
and you think he's never going to amount to anything is what the world would think but then I think that was pretty much me at one point that I was so far gone that there's no way that anyone would have thought that God would have done anything and that's the power of God and the power of the gospel especially <clears throat> and especially the Great Commission as we're going ahead into the the days ahead and treasuring this thing that we have because this thing this treasure is the thing that transforms that person from that place that he's in to whatever God has got for his life. And, it's, and God has an amazing destiny, an amazing mission for everyone. And so treasuring this great commission and this making disciples and this picking this person up, meeting them where they're at, this is the treasure that we're carrying in the days ahead. We have the what? The gospel of Jesus. That's where I was going. We have the what? This precious treasure. Uh, we have the who? The who is whoever. And I love these words in the Bible. It's like the alls and the everys and the whoever. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord. That's anyone. And so whether we're like us, we live predominantly in the Muslim world, and you're looking around and you think, this is the whoever's. Anyone here is a whoever. That if any of these people call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. But how? How do we do this? Again, I'm a bit of a practical visionary. I have the vision and then I tell my wife and then she does all the steps to get there. So I want to know how. How does this happen? And so the most important thing for us is to pray. And, oh man, part of the reason I nearly lost it this morning, there's a brother, he's just praying the whole time the service is going on. I'm like, that's the heart of a soldier right there but praying earnestly for a divine strategy on how to reach the lost the alls the everys the whosoevers how lord how do we reach these people and whatever we're doing in the middle east for our context we can talk and i could encourage greg with maybe a story and then uh pastor greg might say to me this is something he's doing in australia in st albans but they might not be compatible with each other because we all need our divine strategy for our particular place. And so we can go into a complete stranger's home or we're just walking past in a village. We would sometimes go to this uh, village just not far from our house. Pretty run down, lots of rough, rough guys there. They run this like chop shop mechanic place and it's just dodgy as, but they're super cool guys and I really connected with them. And... Yeah, that's the thing. It's like a bit of a criminal background. And then so I see these guys and they look rough as, and maybe some people wouldn't stop in there. But you almost, I don't, I'm not glorifying my past life at all. I'm so ashamed and I'm walking out a lot of the ways that I lived my life, okay? But you see them and you're like, oh, I could go in there. This is like my old scene, this looks like. And so I don't have any fear to go in there and to talk and to speak really boldly about my life. And whereas someone, if you didn't kind of grow up in that scene, might be a bit more nerve-wracking for you that's what I'm trying to say and so yeah we go in and then next thing you know they're inviting you to the house someone's buying a chicken you're in the house that everyone's drinking coffee we had other people from our team they were like praying for a mum in another house and then this mum got healed and then they're coming out asking us to come and talk to this family yeah so God opens up these strategies for you and our strategy was let's take these people us 
to this village and we'll just see what God does. And because of the culture and the hospitality, if you know the Arabic culture, so, so hospitable and lovely and warm and they just want you to come into the house and eat and so it's very easy to get into someone's home. You try that in Australia, not exactly the same. And if you stand, like we were standing at the front, worshipping at the front of someone's house with a guitar and then all these guys come out, some of them making fun of us and stuff like that. But then we just stop, we start talking and then God just starts moving. You worship at the front of someone's house in Victoria, you'd probably get stoned. I don't know what would happen. But not the same response. Not saying don't do it, just saying probably not the same response. So we need our heavenly strategy. And so how do we get this treasure, the Great Commission, out into the world and out into every nation and every tongue? We need a heavenly strategy. So we need to pray earnestly. And the thing with prayer is I've found that, and this is just me, so it could possibly be other people too, but prayer is the most powerful thing in our life. Prayer and time with God. Which means, for me, it's the most attacked part of my life. It's the thing that high stress situations start to happen. Family struggles, you know, under tense times. Things aren't great communicating or whatever. The first thing usually to get axed in your life or get attacked in your life is the prayer and the quiet time with God, that alone time with the Lord. And so it's the most powerful thing we can do. We know that, but still, it's the most challenging thing at times as well is to get that time away with God and lock that in as the most vital thing. Before I even eat or before I get my coffee, before I go to work, whatever it might be, but getting it at that time alone with the Lord to get the strategies. First of all, we want to get filled up and we want to be completely uh, dependent on Him. And then we want the strategy. How do we reach people, God? How do we reach people in this part of town? Okay. The message of the gospel, uh, it's internationally the same. It doesn't matter where you are. We've got the same message. That's a beautiful thing. Um, but communicating, contextualizing that message is different. But Paul, he gives us a key in the next verse in Romans 10. And we'll go to the... Yeah. Okay. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? This is so... We, we, we all know this, but this is such a powerful verse. How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will the, they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So this is kind of, if you want to know how I got into missions, this was probably where God really got me. And so the prayer that I pray that just wrecks me is how will they know how will people know that there is a loving God who if you call on him he'll take you from that place where you're at and let's use that metaphorically maybe you're not actually like that but let's take this this lost place that we're in this place of hopelessness how do we get taken from that place into God's kingdom and into his family how will people know and this is this is my, my prayer and I guess my mission and the reason why I go to places that maybe some people don't want to go to or don't want to be in that part of the world, whatever it might be. I just think, who, how will they know? There's got to be someone who says yes to God, 
to go to that place. And when we go, we have, because it's been led by the Lord and it's been in prayer and stuff like that, we carry this peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, literally, because we can be in a place where there's host- we've had many just sketchy times. And I mean, it's not the worst. There's, there's countries around places we live in the Middle East that are living in far more horrific uh, circumstances so not painting it as if it's super bad but just situations where you think I feel like my life's in a little bit of danger here but the peace that God gives you because that's the place he's called us to and to be perfectly honest that f- fear or uncertainty that I had in the Middle East during some conflict time I probably felt more nervous when we got back and we took our kids to Melbourne CBD and like one block you're looking at the big mire and stuff like that and then the next and then there's a police kind of talking to a guy but he's clearly getting a bit hostile and then the next block there's a guy who's obviously on some something and he's really out of it and talking to himself and stuff like that i felt more nervous with my kids there than i ever have i think in the middle east and it's not one's not worse than the other it's just god gives you the peace so when you say yes to him and you go wherever that is He gives you the peace and that means you can walk with him through those challenging times. And if you're called to St. Albans or you're called to Melbourne CBD and you're walking down there, he will give you the peace uh, that you can walk no matter what time of night, that you can pray and get this divine strategy for how to reach people in that part of the world as well because we're all called to make disciples wherever God has called us to make disciples. So... How will they know? That just gets my heart. How will people know that they can be totally transformed and, and have an encounter with the person who created them? Next slide, thanks. All right, this is my planning at its maximum, my strategicness at its max. <clears throat> so I, I thought... What can we do after we know this? We know, okay, the church in the West, it's not in the best state. But other churches around the world are exploding and that's awesome. And we can probably learn something from them. And if you were interested, just as a side note, just while I'm finishing up, uh, a movie that a, a guy that we know who lives in the Middle East, he made a bunch of documentaries, but one in particular is called Sheep Among Wolves. And it's about the underground church in Iran and there's two, the Superman Wolves, Volume 1, Volume 2. I just tell people, go straight to Volume 2. I think it's awesome. But if you want to hear a bit about people from the Iranian church, so people who were Muslims who have come to faith in Jesus, and now they're seeing exploding uh, underground movements happening, mainly among women. And some of these women have come out of prostitution, drug addiction. Some guys that they uh, interview as well in, in the documentary were making drugs in their basement and stuff like that so this is in iran pretty full-on but this documentary sheep among wolves a guy who lives in israel he he put it together and it's really amazing and it will kind of give you a bit of a new sense of what's happening in the church in these persecuted countries that you may not have been able to hear about before hear the personal stories because we hear the the data and the statistics that yes there's a big movement underground movement happening in iran but we don't how do you know what are they doing? What do they, what are they like? What are they? So you get all the inside info like that. Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2 is awesome. So 
the, the spiritual truths. We have the most incredible truth in all of history that we're carrying, this gospel message. That God, not only did he create everything, but he also loved the world, that whoever would believe in him won't perish but have everlasting life. And this is just amazing. This is the truth that we're carrying. If we received this truth and we're walking with him, then we're eternally blessed. And we can be assured that we're going to walk with him forever. If you stay the path and walk with Jesus for the rest of your life, you will walk with him for eternity. And that's amazing as well. And this is the truth that we're carrying also. So that the steps, how do we continue with all that in, in, in light? How do we continue? So the first point, and this is a bit of a steal from YWAM. If you don't know YWAM, Youth with a Mission, we have this motto, know God, make him known. And I think you can't sum up the Christian life any better than that. So I'm not pinching it because I'm a YWAM fanboy and I'm trying to promote YWAM necessarily. I'm just stealing because it's awesome. Know God, make him known. And so first step, know God. Know you're forgiven and loved by him. That's the first thing we can do. The next, make him known. Prioritize your life to becoming a gospel sharer and a disciple maker. And this is such a challenge because we live in a country where super busyness is the thing to do and having a, a maxed out calendar, we feel like this is, that we're achieving something, whether we're going a million miles an hour but going nowhere in reality or not, we feel like this is what we need to do and it's a, quite a race in Australia to fulfil the Australian dream and do everything you need to do, work, family and stuff like that and so making him known, finding out how to do that in the context of your life and us, we have a family, we have lots of kids and so we can't leave one at home for too long a period of time without things getting a little bit out of control. So we kind of got a tag team or we take the family to the people. And we've always done that. We've t our kids, from our first trip, we went to Malawi in Africa, like a short-term mission trip. We took our two boys. Then we went to India, Indonesia. We had three kids then. And then we are into the Middle East. And then even the places I was telling about, the villages that we go to, a lot of times our kids are with us. And that's part of the reason we get the access to the families and into the people's homes. If I was a stranger walking through a village, they're probably not going to invite me into their house. It would be pretty weird. But then I've got the kids and then other kids come out. They start playing soccer. Then the dad comes out. We start talking and then there's an elderly person and then so we want to pray for them. And that's, we just make the making him known work for us in whatever the context that we're in. And later on in my life, when the kids have grown up, maybe I have this Middle Eastern dream that all my kids will live with me. And because in the Middle East, you like build a house on top and then the kids will move in and then they'll have their kids and you're on the floor and you, they look after you. I don't want them to go to another, you know, 18 licensed university, boom, they're gone. I don't want that. I just want to keep them around. Maybe I'll change my mind when they're 18, but... <laughs> Yeah, so making him known, making it work for your context. And then the next, getting into the harvest. And this might sound like obvious step, um, but it's so easy, especially living overseas or if you're new to Australia even or you haven't grown up here or you have an ethnic background that is familiar to you, you want to hang around people who, if you're from India, 
it's comfortable to hang around people from India and you cook the same food, you know the same jokes and the same stories and it's very familiar and we do the same thing. If we hear an Aussie accent in the Middle East, I'm like, yep, whoa, hey, yo, <laughs> just immediately talk to them. You want to know, and this is like a tourist group. We're just in Jerusalem or something, walking past, you hear the Aussie accent, you're like, oh, oh, you're from Australia. And we chase them and <laughs> think we're weird probably, but because it's familiar. So getting into the harvest means we have to lay down some of our comfortableness of, you know, being around the people that we love. And being around Christians is awesome. And having, if, like, brother, if he had, like, a worship night at his house or something, I'd be like, I'm there, straight up. Bible study, yep. And Friday night, gaming night, yep. Like, whatever it might be, you want to be around people who carry the same heart as you, and that's natural. But be, being able to fulfill the Great Commission, treasuring the Great Commission in the days ahead, means that we need to let go of some of that. And we're even wrestling with that ourselves. We're moving to Egypt once we get back to Israel to work, work out our uh, stuff that we have there, car and clothes and stuff. And it's the wrestle between, do we find a neighborhood where there's some foreigners that we can feel you know, comfortable settling in and stuff like that? Because Cairo, I don't know if you know, it's a pretty chaotic city. And I think it's someone's described it to me. It will either like you'll fall in love with it, or it will just chew you up and spit you out. It's it's quite quite an incredible place. So we are like, do we find people that are foreigners that we can connect? They can tell us, you know, the inside info from a foreigner point of view, because the locals sometimes don't give you the best information. But you go with some foreigners and say, so, but we want to be in the harvest. So you have to balance: Do I move to a place where they're all foreigners there and they all know Jesus? Because that wouldn't be strategically the smartest thing to do if I'm really treasuring the Great Commission in the days ahead. And so getting into the harvest, position yourself to be in places and around people where there is no light. And finally, I think this is just a, a biblical awesome principle, is send someone or get connected in some other part of the world uh, where things are either happening like God's moving or maybe God's not moving at all, but you know there's some connection there. And so if you feel like there's some connection with the church or with yourself to the Muslim world, then we're going. So we could be one person, but you might be thinking like in Syria is such a challenging place at the moment. Maybe you want to uh, send someone to Syria or financially or prayerfully support something that's happening there. Or maybe it's in India or maybe it's wherever it is, but have a, a local focus and also an international or an unreached focus as well because the last remaining places on the earth that are unreached and when we say unreached we mean there's no church uh, or very minimal church there's no access to the gospel the people are unreached and they're unable to uh, hear Jesus so in my town where I'm living now in Banyong it's like 3,000 people maybe more and there's still depending which way I go to a church, a local church there, I could drive past two or three different churches just in this 3,000 church town. So of course there's people there that don't know Jesus and we want them to know Jesus, but at the same time there is a witness in the town. So unreached regions of the world are where there is no church, there's no witness, there's no way to get to, uh, to hear the gospel. And many people, as you may know, especially in the Muslim world, having dreams and visions about like this one lady told us this man in white his hair was like wool and his eyes were like fire and he was standing in front of me and she just had this dream and she just had to fall down at his face 
And if you know, that's pretty much Revelation chapter 4 when John's describing Jesus. And people are having dreams like this, but there's no, they don't know what to do with it necessarily. And there's no witness. And so the final point, send someone, get people into these unreached parts of the world. Because like it says, I think in Mark, the gospel will go to all the nations of the earth and then the end will come. So we have this final kind of frontier of the unreached world. And it's pretty much from China across to Central Asia, India, all the stands, Kazakhstan, Pakistan, to the Middle East, Iran, Iraq, um, North Africa, Egypt, uh, Libya, Algeria, Tunisia. These are the, the most unreached parts of the world where there's not much a gospel witness. So know God, then make him known, then get into the harvest and then look towards this unreached part of the world as well. How do we get people, resources, gospel, Bible, whatever it might be. And you could do something from here now that we're all so connected. You could find people on Facebook that live in Tunisia or in Egypt or in uh, Iran or something like that. And w however, you can get this message there to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I think I'll close in prayer and then we can wrap it up. So guys, thank you so much for having me today. And and hearing a bit about our story. And just wanted to honour you as a church again, and I wouldn't go, uh, I know we, we speak at a fair few churches, and so I wouldn't necessarily go over the top in honouring someone if I didn't really feel it in my heart, but I just so feel in my heart that this is such an incredible place, incredible church, and Pastor Greg is awesome this worshipful spirit and praying spirit that is in this house is really amazing and it's not every church is like this just so you know if you're plugged into transform church and you've been here for many years you probably don't see a lot of churches but this is, is a special church i promise you so lord we thank you so much uh, for transform church for what you're doing in this house and in people's lives lord and we just pray that uh, together as the body of Christ, we can really capture um, the great commission calling that you have for us, the making disciples of every nation and going, Lord, to the places where there's no witness, whether that's in this part of town, in another part of Melbourne, wherever that might be. God, that you will uh, give us a zeal, a passion, a fire, a desperation to go and get the gospel out into these places, God. So I just pray, Lord, that you minister to our hearts today, that you would encourage us that although the circumstances aren't ideal, although there's so many challenges that we're facing every day, even in Victoria, that, God, you can still use us in mighty ways. We don't need to be super-powered or incredibly studied in the word for multiple hours before you can do anything with us God you take our yes and you take our hand raised and you take our here I am send me calling and Lord you use that in mighty ways and it doesn't matter the things that we've done in our life Lord you still can transform us give us a brand new heart a brand new mind 
and Lord, a heart for the lost and a heart after you. So I pray, God, for all of us today, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a passion to reach those who don't yet know you. Because, Lord, how will they know unless they hear? How will they know unless someone goes to them and speaks and shares and proclaims the good news of Jesus? So, Lord, I pray, instill that in our hearts today. The calling to go and reach the lost and make disciples. Lord, I pray that this church would be a light in St. Albans. That people will come in, one, because they've heard from someone here. And two, because there is something in this house that is permeating into the society. There is a move of the Holy Spirit that is happening that is not contained in these walls here. But Lord, you're spreading out the power of your Holy Spirit across this suburb. And Lord, you're reaching people and touching them in their homes. They may not know exactly what is going on in their life right now. They may not know that feeling that is happening, Lord. But they will when we reach them and when we share the love of Jesus. And when we pray and get the heavenly strategy for, Lord, how we can reach people and make disciples. So God, I just pray, bless this church, Lord. Uh, bless each and every person here. Give them everything they need to be able to fulfill the calling that you have on their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.